All right. Well, welcome to Tear Gas and Gumdrops. My name is Chris Morton, coming to you from Austin, Texas, and I'm looking at a grinning Kyle Sapp, my pod pastor, my co-host here. What you grinning about, Kyle? Hey, uh, I'm Kyle Sapp. I'm coming to you live from Sacramento, California, and I'm grinning because every time we say, hey, let's jump into it, in the past, I have sung our intro like techno tune. Right. But this time, I just did it in my head. <laughs> still, it still made me giggle. <laughs> That's amazing. So you're basically okay. laughing at an inside joke that may or may not make the final cut of this podcast. <laughs> 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 what, what's what's the name for an inside joke that it's like so inside that it's only inside your head? That's super meta, right? You that's know, that's super... a thing, though. I'm uh, sure. I don't know what yeah. it is. It's, it's, an in, in, it's an inside inside joke? It's like my thing that's similar to that is when we were in college, I watched so much uh, Homestar Runner that like there are like catchphrases from it that are just like deeply ingrained in my brain. And yeah. I'm just like walking. Every time I hear the word science, I think of the Homestar Runner where Strong Bad's like, you're so dumb. Say something smart. And he's like, science. <laughs> um, and I just do that in my head. Multiple times a day, sometimes, <laughs> 10 years later. That's my inside joke with myself. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I on my checks, not to this day. I wanted him to go to this day, but I grew up, I guess. My checks used to say, Kyle, the yellow dark sap, because <laughs> there was the uh, strong bad email where the guy was like, how do I write a good English paper? And he's like, first of all, you need a cool name, not Steve Smith. How about Steve the Yellow Dark Smith? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it just got better from there, which now I now I want us to stop podcasting, pod pastoring, and right. just go watch Homestuck. But on. we won't. We will persevere uh, for our um, pod pastor audience, our, <laughs> you know, your mom and Paul Right. Right. And uh, did I tell you... Um, one of our church members randomly listens to my to my two hour podcast. Oh yeah, did Who they listen, listen yeah. before you were uh, on staff there? I don't think so. Okay. So. And what? What? So do you, do you feel like you have a connection with this person now? Um, it's a developing connection. That is. And then today I had lunch with another member, and I mentioned our podcast. He was like, "Oh, I might check that out." So. <laughs> If that member is listening, shout out to you, that member. Nice. Well, I like that that could be anyone, just in case someone else brings <laughs> it up before we, um, before this goes live. Also, I was just thinking, what if that member was like hiding from the mafia, and by the mafia was listening to our podcast, and by using their name, they like had an insight to that member's uh, life. Theoretically, is not even remotely possible, but you know, just plain and safe. Plain and safe. <laughs> Let's get started with yeah. The hey, uh, <laughs> um, all right. I have a question for you. Uh, it's another classic Chris Martin segue. No, this is a this is a totally on task. Um, ish. Yeah. What is uh? What is the worst you think you've ever done? at either teaching or preaching like like have you ever given a sermon that you're just like this is going nowhere and you couldn't rescue it or a, a class that you taught or yeah probably i just can't remember any of them because i tend to 
move on from them as quickly as humanly possible. <laughs> you know? that, which is actually one of my favorite things about you I've learned over the course of this podcast is that you like <laughs> you do a great job of like not getting caught up on shame. <laughs> you just keep going. Um, which, which really ruins your questions for what was one time we yeah. really screwed up and like um I know I have I know I do all the time. I just try not to tell. That's good though. Like everybody needs to be a little bit um delusional. Uh <laughs> <laughs> also you kinda of, yeah. You should if you're gonna ask me those kinds of questions, I need like a week's notice so I can like dig through my memory banks. Okay. Well chew on it while we're talking. Yeah, uh, how about you? Do you have a classic favorite one? Man, you know, They just come and go. Um, I've had a lot since we started Mustard Seed because some weeks I'm like, I don't, I'm embarrassed. I won't admit how late in the game I'm preparing some weeks, but uh, yeah, there was one a few weeks ago where I, it just in my brain made so much sense, and then I'm, I like got up and I talked about it, and I was like I'm trying to paint this imagine a magic scenario where uh, John the Baptist was, uh, you know, how he's like railing against people all the time because he's John the Baptist. And um, like my, my attempt to like connect with the audience, the the story in the news that week was that pharmaceutical jerk, you know who I'm talking about? Who like bought Martin Shkreli or however you say that he had been in the news that week. There's a Wu-Tang album that there's only one copy of. They only made one recording of it and it like was meant to live in a, uh, in a museum somewhere and uh price gouge jerk martin Shkreli bought the only copy of it and i'm trying to bring that together with like uh luke's story of john the baptist um preaching against like, <laughs> and i'm just like in my mind it was this really cool connection and i'm like working to connect the two live in front of an audience and i'm just like as the words are coming out of my mouth i'm like I'm sorry, guys. This is the, we should just open the Bible and read it out loud to each other because I have like <laughs> clearly nothing cohesive to say to you today. Um, I I do think now that I've had time to chew, the first lesson I ever taught at Eastside. Uh-huh. Uh, I had your not previous church. Previous church, yeah. I had not taught an actual teenage class in like a year uh actually some of the first uh, some of the first ones were all were all kind of bad um uh but i i did the lesson i don't even remember what topic it was on but i ended like the lesson which i thought was going to take a full 45 minutes was like 15 minutes long and so i had like this 30 minute wait of like what the heck do i do and so I just started making crap up and like trying to get all like super experiential with trying to like make it seem like I knew what I was doing and that I wasn't just making stuff up on my head. So I remember like I turned out the lights and I was like, <laughs> guys, just sit here in the darkness for a few minutes. Awesome. <laughs> and I don't know how long it was, but this is how it is in sin. Like, this is, this is the, you know, and then I flipped up, I had a flip phone. So I flipped up my phone. And I walked, I turned in a circle. It's like, what do you think this light symbolizes? <laughs> <laughs> like, looking back on that lesson now, 
just total absolute like shame and <laughs> and cheese and mm-hmm. it was just it uh, did not go well did not yeah. go well yeah but um, my lessons have greatly improved i hope i hope so i hope not that all of them are <laughs> Well, okay, so today we're going to talk about preaching and why we preach, why we think it's important. Um, and uh, I'll also tell our um, our listeners that if, if you like this podcast or if you want to listen to someone actually talk about preaching who's put a lot of thought into it and has something to say, uh, I'll just throw this commercial out real quickly. Um, my co-pastor, John Chandler, has his own podcast called Sermon Smith. Um, and he's actually done, we're going to do basically, we're going to steal his format today and do our own sermon Smith, um, and talked about this art of sermon preparation. So, uh, John, I'm sorry. I'll talk about, we can talk about it in the staff meeting. Um, uh, but I'm stealing your podcast format this week and, um, we're going to talk about the, uh, art of sermon prep and, but, but let's take a step back and, uh, Kyle, why, yes. why, why is sermon <laughs> important why do you sermonize Sermoning. Why, why do i sermon well since the very beginning of the christian church there has been this need for the public proclamation uh, of the work of christ in the past in the present and in the future and you know like paul says that he, when he's talking to the Corinthians, I think uh, Paul talks about how his words are the power of God, that the things that he's saying are the power of God in the lives of the Corinthians. Hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and that need has always been, and I believe will continue to be that we have a need to hear the story publicly told and retold and retold mm. because it helps us uh, process the story that we're telling, if that makes okay. any sense. Mm-hmm. So, so sermons help us hear what happened in the past, hear what's happening in the future, and that helps us make sense of what's happened, happening, happening in our present and helping us kind of, kind of figure out how we mold our lives into that proclaimed story, into that proclaimed power of the death and resurrection. And, and that's different than teaching. I think that uh, there is a different in, in the difference in what we do when we preach and what we do when we teach. Okay. okay. Uh, uh, give, uh, give us a quick understanding of that difference. Oh, I don't know. Uh, for, for me, I think, I think teaching is helping someone have – just the knowledge and the, the working movements for the ins and outs of how to do something. So you teach, okay. Um, you teach how to pray. You it's teach, functional. Yeah. There's a functionality to it where, and I'm not, I haven't been a preacher very long, so I could be totally wrong about this difference. Um, but, but the sermon to me seems to be more about the proclamation uh, of the movement of God, not the ins and outs of how do I do X, Y, or Z. And I think mm-hmm. preaching should should have some application to it, uh, but I don't I don't necessarily know if that's if that's the the goal of the of the sermon is to 
just make sure you know how to do something. I think the goal of the sermon for me is that you have heard the power, the story, the and the story of the power of God in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So you're saying that um, I could be wrong. Preaching is different from teaching. What teaching uh, is to provide function skills. Uh, whereas preaching is uh, to proclaim who God is and what the kingdom of God is. And yeah. And maybe, maybe a way that I would combine what you said, it, it's about um, kind of laying out the intersection of our lives and the kingdom of God and making mm. that visible for the world to see. Tell people a little bit about the trajectory you are on with that personally and, and where you hope to take preaching at your church. At the moment, I am preaching uh, part time. Okay. Uh, as I'm doing other things, uh, I will be stepping into full time pulpit preacher buying uh, in October, I believe. And uh, where I want to take it, I'm 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 not entirely sure. I'm mm. still trying to work through all of that. Uh, But for the well, person I, that's sitting there, like, what do you want them to experience? And, right, and right, right. I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I want them to know Jesus. I want, I want to every week find a way to bring it back to the death, burial, and resurrection. To, to, to always help people view life through that lens of this is our story. This is, this is what we're living into. This new creation that God has made us through the resurrection and all of that happened because of Jesus. And, and some of that is in response to some studies that were put out by the youth Institute and the youth cartel uh, sent out a book last year, I think called the Jesus gap. And there's all this, all this documented evidence of people who grew up in churches, teenagers in particular, who are defining Christianity without the name of Jesus Hmm. That which which is on some levels kind of surprising, but on other levels kind of understandable. Right. Uh, and, and so making sure, not that I'm name dropping, but but making sure that every week we go back to the gospel in some way, form, or, form or fashion. That everything we say in that sermon, everything that I say, everything that someone else says, because I don't I don't necessarily think even as the full time pulpit preacher. I need to always be in the pulpit. I think there's a there's a value in the community of of, of speaking and teaching and perspectives, the way the spirit moves among different people. Uh, but in in all instances, um, I want to make sure that the name of Jesus is held as the highest name that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall shall confess. Not just when he returns, but that's, that's the, the goal that happened right now. That all of our actions, all of our movements are done through the lens of his lordship. Mm. That answers the question. Yeah, that's good. Um, so I, I would tweak that a little bit. Um, well, I, because it's my direction. <laughs> yeah, I don't necessarily <laughs> disagree with you, but uh, something that I... Well, let, let me couch this a little bit. Um, I believe that the church is a 
culture. It is a community. It is a it is a group of people that um, is in the world, but not of the world. Um, and that as leaders of the church, part of our um, part of our jobs is to create that sense of culture. And now. The culture is based on the teachings of Jesus and our understanding of where the universe is going and what he, who he is and what he's done. But there are some core things that are um, essential for creating a sense of culture, a sense of shared culture among a group of people. Um, and uh, any anthropologist will say that, you know, when you look at a culture, what are you looking for? Uh, you're looking for the things they share in common, um, the things they, they all eat the same things. They all dress in similar ways. Uh, they have shared uh, landmark experiences in their lives. Uh, they have shared rhythms. Um, and so, you know, our, our, our liturgy gathering is our number one chance that, uh, that we as church leaders have throughout the week, uh, whatever you guys call that, your worship service, whatever, uh, that's your number one chance all week to try to create a little shared experience. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, after that, from that point forward, um, <laughs> you know, Netflix and, uh, the traffic on the highway and those things like that are going to be shaping the shared experience of your people. Sure. And, and this sure. is the one moment. Um, and so my goal in that time is to create a shared experience. Sure. Um, now that shared experience, what separates it from Netflix is that it comes out of, uh, the story of Jesus, right. And, and the person yeah. of Jesus and what he's done. Um, and so part of what I'm hoping to accomplish, uh, when I speak is to, um, within the larger, uh, setting of our liturgy with uh the eucharist the lord's supper um and a time of musical worship and things like that but the, the sermon specifically is like i want there to be a moment that they remember because it made them think about how the kingdom of god intersects with their lives right like yeah I, I don't know that they'll remember specifically anything that I said, or they'll remember even what passage that things came from. But I want them mm -hmm. to them to have a shared sense of like this was a moment where we were reminded about the kingdom. Yeah, I can, I can, I don't feel like that disagrees with me at all. Yeah, um, and I can get behind that. It, it reminds me of a story that was used to explain the value of sermons mm -hmm. uh, and. Uh, Someone said, this is probably parabolic, um, but in the story, someone was talking about uh, that they didn't need sermons, uh, <laughs> basically, to, to be a Christian, that there was no point to them, because they couldn't remember all of the sermons that they'd heard over their lives, like eventually those things fade, and the person they were talking to said, okay, I get that, tell me what you had for dinner three years ago on yada yada date. Right. I can't. Right. Okay. Tell me about this. You can't remember every single meal you had, but you needed to eat to survive. <laughs> and right. I think that I think that little story lends itself to remembering that not every sermon has to be that big dramatic bomb drop. Blah, like it, it doesn't have to be that. Say that again. Uh, it the blah blah blah. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be that that mind blowing right. uh, experience that 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 we we 
we give credence to the great preachers who give us those moments. Sure. And those moments are good and, and should happen, certainly. But each week isn't about having each week. You know, you don't go to your 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 menu and think this week I'm going to have a filet Oscar. This week I'm going to have chicken stuffed with lobster. This week I'm going to, you know, like you have special meals. Uh, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that the other smaller meals are any less important. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think we need to, as preachers, give ourselves the freedom to have uh, okay sermons. You know, <laughs> right? Uh, it's okay if you didn't hit it out of the park. I mean, right. No baseball player that I'm aware of, because I sports, um, feels bad if they don't hit a home run every single hit. You just want to get on base, and you acknowledge that sometimes you strike out, and that's just the name of the game. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. To our listeners out there who are preachers, it's okay if you're just okay. God <laughs> still loves you, and your congregation still loves you too. Yeah, maybe. Okay, well, so let's then um, let's kind of zoom out and let's talk process for a minute. I love talking okay. process just in life in general. Um, yeah. And so again, like if you guys think this is at all interesting, uh, go listen to the Sermon Smith podcast because every episode is about process. Um, so let's start. Uh, tell us like when, uh, how you go A to Z when you first um, find out about a passage or how you even choose a passage. Uh, or if you're uh, maybe you're not starting with a passage, maybe you're, maybe you're starting out with start there and take us all the way up through like the week. Uh, so generally, how far out do you start? Yeah. So uh, and and recognizing that this process is still developing because I've only mm-hmm. been doing this um, four months. And you said you preach twice a month right now. Twice a month right now. Right, yeah. twice a month. Um, and this is for yeah. for those of you like. Th- hopefully, this will be helpful. I only speak once a month right now, um, and, and so for those of you who are not the full time guy or gal at your church, hopefully this will be helpful to see how it kind of fits in. Um, so you're you're twice a month. How far out did you say you get started? Uh, so I start. We when did we do this? About back in December. Mm-hmm. Actually, maybe November, early December, I think. Um, we sat down. The other preacher and I sat down and and started to talk about goals. What do we want to accomplish this year? Um, okay. And so when I step in, I'm going to do it a little bit differently when I step in full time. But the the idea is that there are three main, and I didn't create this. I got this from a, a preaching friend who I respect. His name is Shane. Shane does not listen to the podcast that I'm aware of, but if he does, hi, Shane. Uh, And if I tell it wrong, he can correct it. Uh, But Shane starts with kind of three overarching meta-narratives that he wants to flow through the year that will intertwine and intersect. Okay. Uh, I start with the three narratives. I have to figure out what those three narratives are first uh, based on kind of my experience, what do I feel like my congregation needs to hear, what are we hoping and dreaming to do in the next year? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so for example, three meta narratives could be the holiness of God, um, um, the people of God, then and the value of discipleship. Or yeah, pick your three, whatever. So then, the goal of my sermons for that year uh, 
are then to broach those subjects in some way uh, at different times throughout the year. So, for example, for holiness, I might start off with a sermon series on Leviticus. And then in terms of discipleship, I'll scoop, I'll scoop over, skip over to uh, Luke and analyze how does, how does Jesus build disciples in the Gospel of Luke or, okay. or something like that. So then once I have my, my three narratives kind of worked out, um, I go through and try to decide on uh, ways in which we can get those narratives to intersect and interact. Um, and then, uh, and try to be, get that all throughout the year. So I have everything for the rest of 2016 written down oh, wow. okay. uh, on multiple sheets of paper um, <laughs> that I need to type up before I lose those sheets of paper. Um, and these are not these are broad topics, not like each individual sermon. I should make sure I'm clarifying that. So, for example, so uh, so right now we're doing a series called Generous Living, and then in March we're going to spend two weeks talking about the cross, why Jesus came, so forth and so on, in preparation for Easter, and then after Easter uh, we're going to do a series on prayer, and that idea is that. Uh, Jesus has begun a new work through the resurrection, new creation, and prayer is one way in which we tap into that. Uh, and then we're doing a leadership series. Oh, that's what we're doing. Uh, and then June is kind of a bust because of mm -hmm. different special events. So uh, uh, I don't have any themed things for June. July, we're doing a Book of Ruth because uh, we chose to do that because people go on vacation and Ruth doesn't really necessarily require that people be there for every week. You know, you can read it on your own. Mm -hmm. uh, then August, we're doing something. And stuff. So I have all of that kind of written down. Okay, so you guys, uh, to, to recap, you have your whole year scheduled, um, and it's really rooted in some goals you have for the year. And um, from there, you choose some themes and some texts, um, and uh, it's important that they kind of support each other. Um, yeah. And really, the goal is to to take the congregation as a whole in a direction. Right. That's good. Okay. So, so then, coming okay. down to a specific week, then, like yeah. So, uh, well, let's start. Sorry to be super meta broad here, but so then, as we get two weeks outside of the next series, uh, we meet and we talk about different texts that we're going to do. Okay. Once those texts are chosen, we assign who's doing what week. Uh, usually, I get the one that the preachers on month do so like i'm talking about money uh on march 6th Woohoo! um so then let's go into the week so i am constantly absorbing the world around me and filtering that through a lens of how could i preach mm -hmm. so i'm gaining stories uh that i'm writing into evernote or into just a notebook of like, oh this would be a great illustration for this topic one day when i decided um, and uh, the week, usually two weeks before a sermon, um, I am already outlining that sermon in my head. So I'm studying the passages that I'm going to use, looking at commentaries, bemoaning that I don't have the commentaries I want, going to Amazon and ordering the commentaries. Right. And, those. Uh, and just kind of fleshing out the, you know, the exegeting of the passage. Mm -hmm. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And, and then letting that stew, so that when I come into the office on Tuesday morning, 
uh, I'm sorry, on Wednesday morning, it's Tuesday's uh, bus due to staff related things. Um, I, I sit down, I shut my door and I just start typing. So you uh, haven't, um, you, you don't really start actually sit down, right? You know what passage you're going to be working on. Um, right. Uh, and, and your, um, uh, how, how far out would you say you start reading? Uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. So you have about two weeks that you're chewing on it specifically, yeah. although right. it's probably in the back of your head even before then. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh and then Wednesday you start writing. So Wednesday I start writing, um, and I write all day. Uh, and then um, Thursday, Wednesday is rough draft day. Thursday is finalized day. Actually, no, I'm doing that wrong. Uh, Wednesday is rough draft day. Thursday is not touch it, let it stew a little bit. Um, uh, and then Friday is practice and revamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and that's usually how my sermon gets written. And you're done by Friday at five o'clock. Go uh, yeah, yeah. I I don't touch it until really? Saturday night at like 10 p.m. where I read it to Aaron um, and time it, so I'm aware of how long it takes. Awesome, awesome. And then, then I'm done. And then I'm the next morning. I wake up and I start working on next week's sermon, even though I haven't even preached yet. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah. Cool. So, and I do that because I, I there are a lot of different styles uh, to sermon prep, but I do it my way because I don't want to be that guy that's working on a sermon on Saturday unless I absolutely have to. Like, yeah. I understand yeah. movements of the spirit, um, but I feel like a lot of preachers talk about how the spirit seems to be conveniently moving every week at Saturday. Right. You know, no, maybe. Not really in it. Not uh, really in it. Uh, but I want to spend time with my family and I want to be present. Mm-hmm. So uh, would you say that uh, you have, um, it, let, let's switch from process to structure a little bit. Do mm-hmm. you have any kind of specific um, flow that you use uh, or maybe an unconscious one that you've realized that you use? Uh, yeah, no, it's an intentional flow that I got from Andy Stanley. Uh, well, it depends on the sermon. Let's say that first. Okay. Um, if I'm going to do more of a narrative sermon than where I live into a character, uh, then probably not. Um, but even even in my preaching, I feel like I'm always sort of narrative, even when I'm trying to be expository. Uh, mm-hmm. But the the structure of my sermon I took from Andy Stanley, um, whose structure is, if I interpreted this pro- this correctly, is here's a problem we all face. Here's how I face that problem. Don't we? Or no, I'm sorry. Here's a personal problem. Don't we all kind of face that problem? Let's look at the scripture, and then we move to some bit of application. Yeah, he has some Andy Stanley memorable, like me, we, he. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Typical. I don't remember any of that, but but I like that flow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, It's to provide a really good balance between open and honest. Yeah. uh, Authenticity with yeah. biblical, you know, biblical discussion. So that's kind of my. That's usually my structure, um, and it's usually intro. Here's the problem, and then I always, I always, I have kind of like before I do a prayer, like right after the intro, and before I do the prayer, I always have some kind of lineup. If you're here today, I want you to hear about Jesus, the God who answered blah 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 blah, mm. um, and I go through like a creed sort of statement and then we do a prayer 
And then sometimes I have a secondary story that uh, supplements the first story. Sometimes I just get into the scripture. It just kind of depends mm-hmm. on what you're That's good. Anything sometimes. else you would add? Um, into my process or into my structure? Process or flow or even maybe delivery, if there's anything you want to say about that. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's good to practice. Uh, if you don't practice, you should practice. Uh, it's, it's, it's I don't understand people who don't practice. I don't either. I don't get it. Maybe we won't need to practice when we're like, you know, doing this for 30 years. But at the moment I need to practice. Uh, because when I say things out loud to myself, I think about oh, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, and I use, I, I use a fully typed out manuscript. Oh, you manuscript the whole thing. I manuscript the whole dang thing. How close are you to the man- manuscript when you deliver it? Like, where am I standing? <laughs> how? how, <laughs> how uh, do you read it word for word? Uh, I try to balance between reading it and um, not reading it. Uh, and I, I feel like I do a pretty good job of... I know I was just talking about this book, my preach this week, so maybe I need to do it differently. So I have like a really important point that I want to make sure I say properly uh-huh. because I wrote it and I was like, man, that's a great statement. Yeah. Then I read that. Yeah. But for the most part, I try to spend 70% of the sermon outside of the podium uh, and 30% at the podium. I probably realistically get like a 60, 40 uh, or even, even some weeks, probably a 50, 50. Mm-hmm. But the reason I do it that way is that if you haven't noticed on the podcast, I can be very tangential when I am <laughs> shooting from the cuff. And while I think I'm hilarious, and while I think all of my soapboxes are super important, I know that that's not my time or place to do an airing of grievances. Right, right. Save that for, uh, what's the holiday? Festivus. Festivus, right. Yeah. Yeah, so that's my process. Good, good. Um, yeah, well, okay, so as far as process for me, um, a couple of things I'll frame this with. Uh, one is, uh, so this is a super part-time thing for me, right? So uh, basically, um, as far as what I'm technically paid for, it's the equivalent of a day and a half a week. Um, the other, So I, I have some time constraints. Uh, the other part of it is that I, um, my goal, one of the things we say every week at Austin Mustard Seed is, uh, that our, we want to be a space for hopeful skeptics and passionate believers. Um, we really want to connect, uh, we want to connect with everyone. And what that means is we want to talk to people who know the Bible. We want to talk to people who have never read the Bible and we don't want to talk down to either group of people. So those things are like always in the back of my head. How can I create this, um, sense of group cohesion? How can I open the Bible, uh, for people who are coming at it, uh, from different places and maybe even some pretty heavy skepticism. So that's in the back of my head. Um, we use uh, we use the lectionary sort of uh, for people from a tradition that doesn't use the lectionary. The lectionary is a tool uh, used by mostly high church uh, denominations that kind of marks out um, the entire story of Jesus uh, where it could be told over the course of a year. 
um, as well as some other passages, uh, one per Sunday. And the idea is that hundreds of thousands of churches are in the same scriptures every week. And um, it, it really forces you to focus on the actual text rather than, like you were saying, your soapboxes. Yeah. Uh, so that's a value to us. We don't use it all year long, um, but we definitely like right now during the holiday of Lent, uh, we're using it during the season of Lent. Um, we use it throughout the year. So generally I have a text, a few texts I can choose from. Um, and so I'll, I'll look at the texts for the week that I am speaking and choose one that uh, connects with me personally for whatever reason. Um, I tend to gravitate towards the Gospels, but not always. And uh, so from there, I do have uh, some resources. Uh, my uh, co-pastor, whose podcast Sermon Smith, this is a ripoff of, uh, generally provides goes into his Logos account and provides me a PDF of about a dozen different um, commentaries. So that's super I helpful. Love, I love Logos. Yeah, yeah. I actually got my own Logon recently for... Um, so that's exciting. Um, and then, uh, you know, if I'm still feeling the need for some more, I'll go and set up shop in a local seminary and pull actual paper uh, and commentaries off the wall uh, in the library there. Um, and so generally that's, uh, generally I have the text about three to four weeks ahead of time. Um, and so it's, I try to read it a few times, uh, sit on it, think about, choose which one stands out to me. Um, and generally, I don't know if you have this, Kyle, but generally within um, probably three or four times of reading the text, there are a few things that like I just hone in on. I'm like, oh man, I want to unpack that. Right. Um, and so without, I, I try not to be too eisegetical. I try to <laughs> keep those in my back pocket while I go and um, read through the commentaries and say, right. okay, is this thing that I'm seeing here really part of the passage? Um, it doesn't have to be what is the most important thing in the passage, but it does have to kind of, there's like a magic intersection of what speaks to me, where I think our congregation is, what's in the text, what scholars agree is in the text. There's like a magic intersection there. Um, or it may just be what I'm most passionate about that I can talk about, uh, get up and write about and talk about. Um, so from there, I, uh, I was trying to, I think this is what was messing up our signal. I was trying to find the name of this book, uh, on public speaking that I read about three years ago, um, that had, uh, it was written by a, um, a psychology professor here at UT and I'll find the name of it and put it in the show notes, uh, here at university of Texas. Um, and she, uh, basically wrote down her theory of public speaking based on what people will remember. Mm. Um, and you know what was funny about it was it was pretty stereotypical. Um, she said people remember things in threes, so have three points. People remember things that um, people remember questions that they were asked. And then she said people need time to mull over those questions. Um, and so I use a, uh, I use a program for writers. It was, it's, uh, designed for like, uh, screenwriting, um, and novel writing. And it's got all these tools to, uh, kind of shape your thoughts. But I basically, um, I'll, uh, have three sections 
and I've got, got this templated out. Um, and so I'll, I'll generally start with kind of a hooky opener just to try to get people to sit down and get people's attention. Because um, we come right out of a little coffee break and kids dismissal right into the sermon. So I start with some hooky little story to get people's attention. Um, and a lot of times I'm kind of rattled. Maybe I've had too much coffee or I haven't slept the night before. Um, and so what I ask our congregation to do is read the passage together with the person sitting next to them. Um, so I'll throw the passage up on the screen, tell them where to look it up. And that gives me also a minute or two to kind of settle and look back over my notes while they're uh, reading. It also says like, hey, if Chris doesn't have anything meaningful to say, at least everyone read their Bibles that day. Um, That's a cool idea. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with, uh, and, and that I stole from another pastor. None of this is original to me. Um, so I start with that uh hooky story, and then they, everybody reads the passage on their own. Then uh, once I kind of notice the murmuring dies down, I'll start in. And so I've got um, my uh, sermon broken into three sections. And not always. Sometimes it's three points from the whole text, but especially if it's a narrative, I will go through from beginning to end the text and pull out point one, point two, and point three. Um, and so I try to... Uh, read the text, um, kind of explain it in its time, um, and then make a single point uh, that I think applies to uh, all of us. It's pulled directly from the text. Mm -hmm. um, and I try to have that in as few words as possible, and often I'll do it as a question. Um, and so, yeah, so again, I'll read the passage explain the passage, try to apply it, and then try to get a little zinger of application. And I do that three times. If I do a question, um, I'll, I'll sometimes even stop and just say, pull out your notes app on your phone or pull out your notebook and write this question down. I want that question to sit with people as much as possible. Um, and often there's some, you know, mnemonic device tying the questions together, yeah, yeah. like some cheesy, uh, um, you know, everything, alliteration, starting with the same word or something. But again, you know, my, my, uh, my goal is, is to be memorable and to help people think through things. It's yeah. not to be brilliant in the moment. It's to, uh, be sticky. And, yeah. um, yeah. And so, yeah, you know, the, so we'll go through each of those three points and, um, and then I'll try to end with a closing idea that um, is always communal. Like uh, um, a lot of a lot of church traditions, like will end with the you know like altar call, <laughs> um, and, and rather than like calling people to uh, repent, and you know I I will do that at times if the text if it's in the text, <laughs> right? Rather than calling people to repent, I want to I always try to end with a vision casting of who we are as a community. Interesting. Um, and so, yeah. So I always try to close with that. Like, who is yeah. who is uh, who are we called to be? Yeah, I I realize hearing your hearing your process, I do two things that I should have mentioned. Um, is I always like an alliterated phrase or something that is tweetable. Mm -hmm. So, like, mm -hmm. 140 characters. Here's the point of Kyle's story. right, right. For Father's Day, is like we worship a, a father of the fatherless, you know. Mm -hmm. 
you know, something like that. Um, and I've tried to say that throughout the sermon at least five to seven times so that people hear it and can remember it. The second thing I always do is I end my application with, I begin my application section with, so what does any of this matter? Why does this matter to us? Let me give you two ideas. Yeah, yeah. So obviously we think uh, preaching is important. We keep doing yeah. it. And uh, it's important enough that we have purpose and process and structure. Um, but uh, the reality is, is it's only a part of our lives. Um, and it's only a part of, um, it's only a very small part of our listeners' lives, the people who yeah. are there in the room. Um, so how much, like, how, what role do you think it needs to fall in, in your own life and, and in the lives of those who are listening on Sunday? So I guess, I guess when you ask this question, I'm trying to figure out, do you mean like how much time should I give to each sermon? I, I mean, that is the, that is very a tangible part of it. Well, okay. So I'll okay. give my experience real quick and I'm curious yeah. from yours. Um, so the reality of my situation is, like I said, day and a half a week. Sometimes that's actually three days a week. Sometimes that's actually a half day a week, right? It just kind of depends. Um, and that kind of rock star, uh, Bible teacher role. <laughs> like I think when, when you read books about preaching or you hear the great preachers, what you're hearing is professional public speakers. Um, yeah. Who this is all that they do. Um, but for this, you know, for, for me as a bivocational church planner, this is just a part of what I do all week. Right. Um, for the person who is participating on Sunday, like they, um, they got other things on their mind. They're either literally checking their email on their phones or they're thinking about work or something like that. So no matter, you know, they're never going to get the experience that you had preparing it. You've put so many untold hours into it and you might have their distracted uh, energies <laughs> for yeah. 20 or 30 minutes. Um, but for, for me, like, I do think it's important because... Uh, especially because like for me, I'm always trying to pull it back to who we are as a congregation. Um, right. and this really forces me to always be thinking about who am I and who are we in the light of the kingdom of God. Um, right. and, uh, you know, something else, it always forces me, uh, I, to, to be aware of when I'm being eisegetical, to be aware of when I'm putting my ideas on the text and on to God. Uh, rather than letting the text speak for themselves. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, I'm never going to give it the 20 or 30 hours that I want to give it. I'm going to give it what I can. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'm so structure-heavy and so process-heavy, um, is because that way I'm at least going to have a beginning, middle, and end, and something coherent to say um, <laughs> when I get up there. Um, but, yeah, it's not all that we are as a congregation but it's part yeah. of it. Right. So I guess for the listener, I think the value of the sermon and the role that it plays in your life is that it is, it is one of the voices that keeps you back into the story of God, that mm -hmm. all of the other, we have a lot of distractions that are trying to pull us into telling different stories. We're all ultimately, I view everyone as ultimately a storyteller. Uh, and, and we have a lot of voices that are that are pulling for our attention, that that are pulling for our attention in some major ways. And the sermon is one rounded way that we know this is 
this is the true story and this is what I'm listening to that story that's going to bring me help, uh, that's going to bring me life. Um, and just to, and we're used to, we're, we have forgotten how to do this since the invention of the DVR, but back in the day, before DVRs, we were used to shaping our lives around stories because they would be told at certain times and you couldn't record it, and so you had to be home at 8 p.m. to watch Friends <laughs> or Seinfeld. Uh, and I think that's still what we're doing. We, we, we have to fight a little bit against that in a DVR world. Um, Podcast we're, we're trying world. to shape our lives. You know, we, you know, we have people who uh, have never been to Mustard Seed on a Sunday that write us a check every month because they like our podcast. This podcast? <laughs> no, the Mustard Seed podcast. Oh. Sorry. Oh, Is that funny? Oh, okay. Is that weird? That's just what you're uh, talking about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but I. I but I think you're missing something that, 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 like you said, I think you tapped into something in the world that's about an experience, not just a sermon. And churches have to have to lean into the experience more than just the sermon a little bit. Um, in terms of the preacher, I, I, I think it's different for each preacher. Uh, some preachers have the calling to preach, and that is all they do. And if you're going to give somebody, if that's all you do, and there's nothing wrong with that, uh, then it better sound like a 40-hour work sermon. Yeah. It better have pizzazz and pomp and just... Yeah. Those guys probably have a little less luxury when it comes to having okay sermons. Um, <laughs> uh, but like for me, sermoning isn't all I do, so I can only realistically give 10 to 15 hours to it a week. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have another class to teach, I have multiple small groups that I'm leading, I just have other things that I'm responsible for uh, at, at our church, uh, but it's still a majority of my time because it's it's my calling. Um, all of the other stuff that I do, I do because it's a function of my job, but it's not what I'm called to do. What I'm called to do is preach and proclaim the word. Yeah. And and so I think each each person has to has to figure that out for themselves a little bit. Um, how what is my calling and how how am I able to live into that calling as best as I can yeah that's good that's good what's your next sermon money 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 uh, money I'm Palm Sunday this year I think I was actually Palm Sunday last year so maybe I'll just re-preach the whole same sermon there you go we're uh, (laughs) we're talking about money Um, and I'm I'm thinking about going from um, either Richman and Lazarus, Lazarus, and the dude who has the two barns, and then contrasting them with the early church, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, going into Isaiah's parable of the vineyard owner from chapter five, chapter seven, mm-hmm. um, and then contrasting that with with the heart of the early church. Fascinating. Um, so it's a, I think they're great stories. I, I, I think the one with the guy in the, in the, the two barns, I might want to preach on just cause I feel like we don't preach on that ever. But the <laughs> dude is like, Hey, you're rich. Cool. Yeah. Now you're dead. And it's meaningless. <laughs> so, so good. It's, so you know, good. And, and like I was telling, um, how I'm setting up the presentation of that sermon. Um, is is different is a little different than uh, than I have preached other sermons. Um, 
but I won't say that just in case anyone. Well, this will come out after my sermon, right? Like, yeah. Right. So what I'm doing is uh, recognizing that as an American Christian, money is perhaps the greatest challenge we all face. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that the conversation we're going to have that Sunday is, is such a holy conversation because it deals with who am I really trusting, God or money? Uh, and so to, to kind of bring that holiness to light, uh, I'm going to be very plain, just a black shirt, pants, and then I'm taking off my shoes. And I'm just sitting on a stool uh, with no scripts, just my Bible, uh, and no PowerPoint background. Just just the Im- just whatever our, our image is, just that simple image and nothing else. Um, so we'll see how it works. Nice. Uh, part of that is it, it always just felt weird when a preacher talked in uh, like a super nice suit with his hair all did up. Uh, and it's like, you know, you should give. You should not be selfish. You should, you know. Here, I'm going to read a parable. Of this, you know, <laughs> so you want to give it to the poor. I was like, yeah, but you're dressed in like a $300 suit, bro. So, right. You know. right. So we'll see what happens. You nice. know, it feels real good. Nice. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. Your well, you're you're further along than I am. Well, um, hey, if you guys want to continue this conversation, like I said, check out uh, the Sermon Smith podcast that goes through this stuff every week, um, and you'll learn from my wonderful uh, co-pastor, John Chandler. Go ahead. Or uh, another thing you can do is like us on Facebook. Like and, us on Facebook. Comments mm-hmm. uh, on our post on your on your process on mm-hmm. your method uh, or or on something that maybe we we should retweet. Uh, because we're both very new at this whole yeah. regular preaching thing. Mm-hmm. And this podcast is less about, hey, here's our great wisdom. Right. And it's more about, hey, here's where we're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be really cool if, like, in a year from now, yeah. do it again and see if we changed anything. <laughs> it'd be really sad if, now. if we haven't. Uh. <laughs> 12 servants from now. Chris has not changed his thought process. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, well, you can find us on Facebook. Just search Tear Gas and Gumdrops. Uh, same thing on Twitter, uh, teargasandgumdrops.com. Uh, like us on Facebook. Uh, share share the podcast. Um, and things that really help are if you can give us a review or um, a comment on iTunes. That helps get the word out. And, uh, yeah, uh, I've got to I've got to go to a happy hour because uh, it's that time on Friday. Uh, All righty. So. Well, I've got to go to a full house, fuller house binge. Oh, God. Marathon. I don't want, oh, man. okay. Well, we can so, catch up about that next time. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, peace out, everybody in podcast world. Awesome. All right. I'm going to press stop button.